Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Flobo Boys here, New Amsterdam Radio starts now. Springtime is here, spring and sprung, and I hope you have your cleaning and your projects and your goals all ready to go. New Amsterdam Radio, uh, the soon-to-be award-winning New Amsterdam Radio. Well, there's nothing really nominated. I just want to put it out there in the universe. You see, manifestation and saying it out loud really does help, I would say. But that's just my personal experience, not necessarily advice. As always, thanking you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. Uh, so thank you for making this part of your podcasting diet. New Amsterdam Radio has been going strong for seven seasons in about one, two, three years now. And I couldn't do it without the help of you. And if you want to give back to the show, and I appreciate you could do, we have some great designs over at the web shop, flobito.threadless.com. That's F-L-O-B-I-T-O.threadless.com. And we have early access to some of the episodes or the entire archive from being frank over at the Patreon, patreon.com slash F-L-O-B-O-B-O-Y-C-E. Now, on this show, we've been able to talk about uh, what it means to be creative, an entrepreneur, and I usually ask my guests uh, something about the mental health and wellness. And I said, well, why don't I just lean into that? So my guest this week, Rebecca Sadari, is a licensed psychotherapist out of New Jersey, tri-state area, represent you. Uh, It was really great to sit down with her to talk about not only uh, mental health when it comes to creatives or even just normal citizens or citizenry, but what does that mean when that is actually your job. That is actually your uh, foray into entrepreneurship as well. You're going to enjoy this one. I really hope you do. And let me know what you think by hitting up the show at New Amsterdam on that Instagram and that new underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter. Enough of me rambling. It's now time for my talk with Rebecca Sadati. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives, thinkers, and doers. It is I, the mayor, Flobo Voice, in the mayor's office, hanging out with people that make me go, hmm. You know, for all of us out there who are trying to make our way and navigate through the creative endeavors, sometimes we come across some things that we don't like so much, like doubt and anxiety. So that's why I hit up a professional. Please welcome Rebecca Zadati here, who's going to talk to me about all that cool stuff. How's it going this morning? Oh my gosh, what an intro. Thank you. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. We were just talking about this before we went live. You are on the East Coast in New Jersey, born and raised. Did you move there? How the, how'd you know about that side of the country? Born and raised. I don't think anybody moves to New Jersey, do they? I was going to say that better. <laughs> I was going to say that. Uh, but yes, I, I was actually uh, visiting some friends. Uh, for those who don't know, I visited um, New York last last December, and my friends were in Jersey. And I forgot how you can cross over a couple bridges and be in a whole different world. So I, so I, respect, I respect everyone out there who was born and raised. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So when people ask uh, about what you do, I know you can say a job title, but you know it's a lot more, more than that. How, like, how do you describe your craft to someone? Let's say you're at a party or a cookout or something like that. So, well, it kind of depends on the vibe. So mm-hmm. it's when I say I'm a therapist, um, I get a couple different reactions. Sometimes it's like, oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Like the face. Absolutely. Kind of yeah. like, Oh, you know, there's, there's that stigma comes out, you know, almost immediately. But, um, I try not to say I'm a therapist, okay. you know, like I'll share with people, like, you know, I'm part of, a, I was part of a practice or I, you know, run my own practice or I work with anxiety. Um, and most of the time people be like, Oh, that's cool. You know, and it's yeah. not, it's not much, but then sometimes people be like, Oh, yeah tell you this and like right I mean you know it could be a little personal why the aversion to therapists why do you think that is I think it's there there's like a lot of fear around um being with a therapist some people think we have like this you know window into their psyche or something um or it's just that stigma around mental health in general, like, you know, you're dealing with crazy people or you're, and I'm not, you know, I mean, I don't think there's no such thing as crazy. It's just people's different perspectives and functions. Um, But I think, you know, a lot of the time it's fear. It's, it's fear. Is it a fear of like people not thinking you can turn it off or is it a fear of it? Like, I can't believe this is a a craft or a, a, a series of medicine. Like what, what do you think the fear comes from? I, I think all of that and also not wanting to be judged, oh, you, know, fair they, you know, they don't want to be judged or, or picked apart, you know, and it's like, if they think somebody has a skill that could break down a barrier, it's now yeah. it's a potential threat, you know? Yeah. So. So, so let me ask you a semi-personal question. Uh, why this? I mean, you could have been the dopest rapper, or breakdancer, a juggler, or a skydiver. What made you go, look, this is my path. This is my calling. I'm going to see where this rabbit hole goes. So, well, I mean, I am the dopest rapper, but <laughs> not of being the dopest rapper. Um, right. So, well, actually, you know, I knew I was going to be a therapist a long time ago. Um mm-hmm. I had been in therapy when I was a teenager and I was dealing with anxiety Um, and the therapists were terrible and it's, it's like comedic um, what I went through. I mean, my family and I, we laugh about it now because it was just, it was nuts, you know? And I was like, this cannot be the mental health field. This is fucked. If this is the mental health field, we are, we are in bad shape. Right. (laughs) Um, So, um, but I also really liked, the world of psychology and just kind of like that, like human exploration. Um, And then I also am an artist kind of like on the side. So I was going to be an art therapist and then that was too niche down. And so there was a lot of like um, dipping my toes into the different arenas. Um, And then when I went for graduate school, I decided to go into more of a generalist practice first and then niche down. So that's how I'm here. Do, Do you still do art? Now on the side? Yep. Uh, painting, fine art, or? Um, so I'm a potter. I do wheel thrown, yeah, pottery and ceramics, um, some digital art. I mean, yeah. So I would never say like I'm an artist. Why not? Artists, well, they produce something. It's almost like <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of um, art projects and things I'm, I work on, but yeah. that's of that's kind of like my own coping and soothing actually in a way which is why that's part of my um therapeutic approach too is is when working with people with anxiety yeah 
when we're telling them to be like mindful and work through, you know, with coping skills or soothing skills. And they're like, well, and do what? You know, like what does that actually mean? And art is a huge piece of that, whether it's song or dance or writing or, you know, whatever. I've had an aversion to clay ever since I did ceramics in, in middle school and all my projects blew up in the kiln. Apparently air bubbles are the worst. So if you do any kind of ceramics, don't do that. Well, we can we can work through that aversion if you like. We can really do maybe some exposure therapy. If you, if you give go back in time and give me A pluses in ceramics, then yes, we could totally work it out. Yeah, we can we can kind of walk through what you felt in grade school when yeah. You had just shattered. <laughs> I mean, the art wasn't good, but the crap, the, the, the hours it took to make it happen. Uh, mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about the, how it is for artists, because I'm not going to say we are different, but we are unique when it comes to the things that we deal with. Our anxiety is a little bit different. Um, I do a lot of things. Just for example, I'll, I'll put myself out there on Front Street, as my mom would say. I do a lot of things. I'm a podcaster, stand-up comic. Uh, I, 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 I'm a writer as well. But one of the things I'm struggling with is my, my day job, which is ironic because I work nights and weekends. I'm a wedding DJ. And uh, you're out there. Your job is to make everyone's night the night to remember. And I have over 200 weddings under my belt. But one time, one person at one wedding said, hey, you know, it wasn't that good. <laughs> and after a couple of weeks, I was like, oh, no, I'm a hack. I'm a fraud. Imposter syndrome is real. Uh, just an extreme example. What specific things do you see artists go through and when it comes to their anxieties, their OCD, their imposter syndrome, et cetera? Oh, yeah, for sure. So in a way you know, we're all trying to create our world, right? So whether somebody is an artist or they're a CPA, um, and a lot of the time my clients that I'm working with, it is, it's performance anxiety, it's behavior anxiety, it's perceptions and beliefs, um, what others think of us, what we think of ourselves and our abilities. And that's a, that is kind of like the, the root of a lot of um, stress and anxiety. Um, There's, I would say too that imposter syndrome is a good sign that we're outside of our comfort zone, you Mm -hmm. know, and if we're having imposter syndrome, it's because we're growing into the person that we know we can be. So that person may not be familiar yet. You know, we're still getting used to this skill, right. Or, or, um, this new ability, So that imposter, it's like, well, no, it's just a new piece of me that I'm still learning about and Mm -hmm. I may not have mastered it yet. So sometimes it's just shifting that narrative. um, And in therapy, we call it, you know, cognitive reframing Mm -hmm. where it's okay. I can experience this imposter syndrome and I can accept that, but I can use it to my advantage. Why does it feel like an imposter? You know, and, and almost create a goal out of that. Like, okay, I want to become more confident in this um, area. So I right. don't feel like an imposter. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I'm always a big, for, uh, a big analogy I always use to my, my guess is that doubt and things like that are, are kind of like body odor. You know, you could take a shower every couple of days, but you can't get rid of it completely. Like it's going to come back if you don't tend to it. You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That anxiety is like body odor too. It's like <laughs> right. Maintenance to it. <laughs> yeah. So it's all about that that wellness, whether it's uh, with soap or mental. 
so I was actually uh, uh, checking out your website, which fantastic work, by the way. So if you're in the area, uh, please, please hit you up. Uh, you mentioned that you are a user of virtual reality therapy. That's something I never really heard before. So can you just walk me through that? What does that entail? Do I get the Oculus goggles or is it something else? Do I have to be transformative? Like, what's the word? Oh, yeah. So um, the, it's kind of a newer approach in a way, I would say, like, there's in New Jersey and New York, I think I've only met two other therapists um, that use virtual reality, but it came about because um, during the pandemic, mm -hmm. for me, it came about because um, I work with people with different phobias and OCD, and I have to do a lot of um, mindfulness work with them and not like the bullshit mindfulness where it's like, okay, you know, take a deep breath and like exhale and you know, all as well. It's, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I, I really, I don't like the, there's, there's too many, too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to mindfulness, where it's really dummying down that approach that is evidence-based, you know, there's, there's brain scans that are, that show the benefit of it, but when it's not, it has to be done the right way. Correct. But with VR, um, you know, so I was working with my my clients and then now all of a sudden we're on video, you know, we're on telehealth. And I was having a really hard time kind of gauging where they were at and what they were feeling. So I was, I heard more of like different approaches to exposure therapy for obsessive compulsive disorder, for phobias, for just generalized anxiety. And um, basically the way that it goes is yes, you have a headset. I send, I actually just mail a headset to my patients if they're still doing it from home. Um, and then they log in with a little code that I give them and they're in this virtual world. Whoa, and yeah, it's very cool. I mean, depending on their need, um, sometimes it's to walk through like specific situations um, yeah. for that exposure therapy. Um, and I can see what they're seeing on my screen and I manipulate the environment so that the exposures are, you know, specific to, to their needs. The other cool thing too is we have, we use what's called um, a GSR, which is a galvanic skin response. Okay. It basically shows when we have elevated stress. And so somebody might say, oh, yeah, I feel calm. And I'll be like, yeah, bullshit. You feel calm. <laughs> I love it. This Hold on. Awesome. We got to we have to take a we have to use some skills here because we want to we don't want to reinforce that aroused feeling that hyper vigilance. Um, and then the other cool thing, too, is because the headsets are, you know, over the eyes we can see where somebody's eyes are moving. Mm -hmm. So when they are, um, when we're in that kind of like fight or flight response, that's, you know, basically the opposite of our mindfulness. Um, our eyes will shift or move away from whatever, you know, we're supposed to be focusing on. So that's the other yeah. telltale sign. So we get kind of this more immersive experience for the client. And we also get more information as therapists of really what's physiologically happening. Right, right. You know, a lot, a lot of people make a lot of hay about mental health, unfortunately, when a tragedy happens. And 
I, I think collectively, cognitively, we go, yes, we need to invest more in mental health, but it doesn't seem that's the case. Uh, there's a lot of social media posts about it, but it doesn't seem from the outside looking in, there's really been a concerted effort to raise awareness. What's been your perspective on this? I know it's sometimes I have to ask, like, you have to speak on things that are out of like jurisdictions and all that stuff, legal reasons, but this, from your perspective and your practice, what's it look like? So, I mean, I think more people on an individual basis are more open to therapy and seeing the benefits of therapy. Mm -hmm. I think more therapists are also holding themselves to a higher standard now where it's like people are really coming with some serious challenges. And if we just give a runaround, if we're doing some stale therapy and we're really, we're denigrating our own field. Yeah. You know, so there's like this other component too. I think as therapists, we really do have to stay up with the science and things that are happening. And we can't just, you know, take the Freudian approach of doing a bunch of cocaine and sitting around asking something about the grief. You know, we got to like, we got to do the right thing. Right. <laughs> you know, and so it's holding therapists to a higher standard, having adequate training. And then in addition, I think insurance has been a problem, which is like, you know, a whole nother world of issue. Right. USA. Uh, <laughs> a lot of challenges out there. Uh, let's talk about you, though. I mean, we you have uh, a line of work that you're doing good things, as I can tell from your client list and, and what you're having on social. But what happens when, you know, you go home for the day? What does the day off look like for Rebecca? What do you do to leave the office at the office? So a day off. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is it that rare? Is it? No. So, I mean, it's, it's funny because when I left, you know, I had left my job and it was like 60 hours a week and it was, I was doing all trauma-informed care um, with the foster care system. And it was, you know, a day off was crashing. That's what right. it felt like. So that and that is really what ignited this process of like entrepreneurship and being really being able to define what my life looked like because I was just burning out. Um, and so it, when you say day off, I feel like I have every day off. I right. make the joke with my family and friends of like, I'm never working. Yeah. Um, I tune in and I tune out. Like that's, that's really how it feels. And I think it also has to do with a lot of the working from home. Um, mm -hmm. because still a lot of my clients are like, well, let's just say in telehealth, this works. Um, but yeah, it's more of like, I get to tune in and I'm with my clients and I'm present and we're doing the work. And then I get to tune out my out time is like doing art, um, right. walking my dog, drinking a lot of coffee, you yeah. know, that's, it's really just a, it's it's just not as structured. I feel like as today um I, is a work day and today's not a work day. Um, but it's important too. We have like bat like work boundaries where I'm not like okay I have to check my emails. It's like you know Sunday I'm having family dinner. It's making sure too that there is I can tune into family time or downtime or resting and whatever that you know might be. How do you drink your coffee? I'm curious. How do I drink my coffee? Um, yeah. So, well, it depends. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Cause hot coffee, there's like, for me, it's only one right way was a little bit of cream. That's it. Okay. A dollop. That's it. But <laughs> I will, when I have iced coffee, I'll get fancy. You know, I really let my hair down. Yeah. yeah. What, what is, what is fancy a tail? Okay, it's not pumps or syrups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flavored syrups. I'll do like those. Um, have you had the that mushroom coffee? Oh, like the the Ghetto Gold or Ghetto Derma or I forget. Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting it. Um, that's okay. where I'll like experiment though is with my iced coffee. I also do. Have you had Jot coffee? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, that's okay. my shtick for iced coffee. Um. Yeah. So, but hot coffee—it's—it's it's like what you'd get at like a diner, you know. Right. Right. A cup of coffee. That's it. In fact, I used to hate coffee until I moved out here to Los Angeles, and I was uh, a writer um, with some writers group, and I realized that at a, at a diner, if you order coffee, it won't kick you out. They'll keep warming up your cup. So I would—I learned to love it because I didn't have nowhere else to write. Uh, but I just do a straight black. I used to do six sugars, but now I do straight black. Oh my. Uh, uh, side note, I used to weigh 375 pounds and sugar was a big part of that. So, so I tell <laughs> one way to start the morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, so with, with uh, seemingly this panorama is over, this pandemonium seems to be over. Uh, where do you want to travel, Rebecca? Where do you want to see the world? What parts of the globe have you not yet uncovered? Oh, my goodness. Um, my next travel i'm really hoping is to turkey oh um, right now i probably wouldn't go um not really the safest bet mm-hmm. um but i i want to go to turkey um my boyfriend's family is turkish and we've been talking about how we want to we we really need to go and see you know all the the beauty it has to offer and they've got like um hazelnut fields and all this like property and you can see Greece and it's like, you know, it just sounds like a fantasy. So I want to go to Turkey. I want to definitely see other cultures, you know, right. I don't just go to like Miami and <laughs> that's different culture. Yeah, that is, there is culture in Florida <laughs> type of culture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I do, I want to be able to do that, which is cool. Cause with telehealth, I can still work from, you know, wherever I go. Yeah. yeah. So. Do you prefer telehealth to, to in-person? Is it a balance? Is it like, no, I like to have the people in the flesh to see their micro, uh, what's the word? Their micro, not facial expressions, but micro expressions. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely things that get lost, like the nonverbals and, and just some of that, you know, we do what's called like a mental status exam where we're really looking at somebody, you know, in as a whole like how they're dressed, how they're um, postured, how they're moving, you know, any muscle twitches or repetitive movements. And it gives us a whole picture. And we try to speak to that yeah. in our sessions. So there, there is a, a loss in that way. Um, I'm lucky enough. I have some longstanding clients, um, you know, that I've been working with for maybe a year or so. And they're in more of like a maintenance when yeah. I knew like a couple new clients, I do try to see them in the office for a little bit. Um, I think it helps with the relationship. Um, I really pride myself on it's a very real therapeutic relationship. Um, I try to cut out a lot of like the clinical bullshit that happens where right. it creates this like power differential. And I just don't 
I don't want it to feel that way. Um, so I try to invite them into the space and have a cup of coffee and eat a snack and sit and talk, like getting to know each other in a organic way. You know, then we jump into all the other good stuff. I can't believe I have a two part question. Uh, what snacks are provided in the office and two, what are the real snacks you eat when the clock is done? Like, what do you actually eat afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> so the snacks that are provided, I go, I either have like my sugary cause I'm, I am a, like a kind of a sugar person. So I'll have like chocolates or something like that. Um, and then I have um, for like the teenagers who a snack they need like a million is I have like, <laughs> individual bags of chips that I get like yeah. well um, <laughs> because they'll you know their portion sizes are a little different right. um, but yeah just like munchy stuff um, that they can pick on and and um, that's kind of what I eat as my own snacks too oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Chocolates and chips. I love it. I, I'm more of a fried dough person. If it's if it's dough that can be deep fried, I'm all about that life. So oh, yeah, that is good. Uh, so as we record this, uh, it's it's heading towards the, the midway part of 2022 as we wrap this up. What do you want to accomplish for your practice? And uh, what do you think is on the horizon for your business as well? Well, so for my practice, I do want to um, I eventually want to open it up into a group practice. I like, I love teaching. Um, and so I've had interns um, under me before where they are now, you know, coming into their full license, you know, and they're, yeah, so I'm like, you're growing. Yeah. Mentorship is important. <laughs> yeah. And so it's because that, and that's what we do as therapists too. Like therapists are not healers. Therapists aren't, I don't, like that associated, we're teachers. We teach people how to, how to care for their emotional, mental selves. And mm -hmm. I want to foster that in other therapists and help other therapists grow. And I feel like it's you know our duty as seasoned therapists to really teach and and shape you know the the future of mental health too. Um, so I hope to have a group practice. Um, two of my old interns actually reached out to me and um, I'm hoping to take them maybe um, this summer. Um, and then kind of like two little sidebars is the VR therapy. I really, really want to work with people on their performance. Yeah. So whether this be um, people in sales or people in um, just maybe like high intensity jobs or performers and things like that, because the VR exposure is just, it's quick. You know, the, the pro the progress that clients see is so fast that it's just worth it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other kind of like sidebar is I do want my own pottery studio where okay. that, yeah, like for mindfulness practice um, and just art in general, because my studio is in my home. So it's like everything is kind of on top of each other. Right. Yeah. yeah. Props to that. The, the, the being able to look forward down the world and make sure you have your side hustles, your coping therapies together. I love it. I love it. Man. <laughs> I, I, I fell into video games myself during the pandemic as my side thing. And that became another career because now they need announcers for that as well. But Rebecca, thanks so much for being on this edition of New Amsterdam Radio. If people want to interact with you, follow you online, how do they go about doing that? Sure. So um, my website is mindbydesignllc.com. That's the name of my practice is Mind by Design. 
Um, they can follow me on Instagram. It's O period. Hello, anxiety. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, hello, anxiety. You're here. Yeah. Weird. Um, and, um, but people can email me or reach out to me. I'm very, I try to be as responsive as possible. So it's Rebecca at mindbydesignllc.com. And, you know, they can check it out, see, see where they want to go from there. Excellent. Before you go, just want to say my book, Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World, is now available on Amazon. You know, the concept of the book comes from when I graduated college and I wasn't impressed about my commencement speaker and what he had to say. And I said, I had some life experiences. Let me go back in time to a proverbial time machine and tell younger me things I learned as an adult. I share stories about the time where I almost died riding a motorcycle or the time where I had no money but decided to do a wedding in Italy, DJ a wedding in Italy to save my business and much, much more. Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World is available on Amazon. Just look for me at Flubble Voice. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs>